Hi, this is Gordon Titsworth from Image Speeden, and you're listening to Brutally Delicious Podcast. Before we jump in, where are you, where are you guys at? Uh, it's kind of funny because we are actually based out of Phoenix, Arizona, but we're kind of spread out uh, across the country. We live in different states states i'm actually calling you from york pa that's where i live oh, okay um, our bass player yeah man our, our bass player lives in michigan keyboard player is in uh baltimore and uh our drummer and uh lead guitar player are in phoenix so it's uh it's it's fun man S- sending files back and forth we make it happen do you find that i'm just gonna jump in i guess right there that's a as good point as any do you find that it's um, difficult to do it that way as opposed to banging around things in the studio and, you know, bouncing ideas off each other? You know, not really, not based on our formula. Uh, I'm, I'm the specific songwriter. I, I do all the songwriting, uh, music and lyrics and everything. So basically what I do is I'll uh, just re- I'll just kind of write while I'm in the studio and I just write as stuff hits me. So as I lay things down and I get the demos down, uh, what I'll do is we'll start the process. I'll send files to Steve, Steve Dorsum, our drummer, mm-hmm. and uh, he'll lay down the drum tracks, send me a drum mix, and then I'll do rhythm guitar, and we'll just kind of uh, start the assembly line process from there. It actually works really well. Uh, the first time we actually had to do that was uh, two albums ago on our Soul Rise album, and we had to work out a couple of kinks. But once we get the process down, it just worked out perfectly in Angelborn, uh, this past album, the whole track, the writing the recording, uh, the whole process was very seamless. So it actually works out very well. Do you guys ever get into the same studio then together or are you recording it that way as well? Yeah, we actually record it that way uh, too. Everybody records from their own home studio and uh, it actually helps for rehearsal too because even though we're a little spread out, when it comes to rehearsal, we'll always know way ahead of time if we have a tour or a couple of shows coming up. So we right. just rehearse in our own home studios, just kind of un, we just mute our respective parts and just play along, sing along, whatever we need to do. Then when it comes time to uh, to rehearse for a show, we get everybody in the same room, right. usually out in Phoenix, have a couple of days of rehearsal. And, uh, you know, by then, I mean, we will have already had our parts nailed down. So it's just a matter of actually carving out the uh, uh, the puzzle pieces and putting them together. It's worked out great. OK, so Angel Born was released, uh, I believe, what, about a week and a half ago? Maybe two weeks ago? Uh, about a month now. I believe it was uh, okay. March 26th. So now yeah. that it's out, what's been the uh, reaction to it, and how do you feel about it? Uh, reaction has been awesome. Uh, matter of fact, we, uh, yeah, it, it uh, lot of, a lot of feedback, a lot of traffic. Uh, we also had a lot more chess pieces in place with this release as well as far as uh, our label pavement entertainment. We have uh, multiple publicists and just more players in the game than we already, than we ever had before. So we already kind of went into it with a few more guns loaded than we normally have, but the feedback that we're getting from press is awesome. Our radio has been really, really good. Uh, we've actually sold out a product and had to restock. So that's, that's, that's a, a good very problem. Good thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a definite good problem. And then we have people saying, I'm trying to order soul rise and Amazon's, you know, Sold out of Soul Rise too. I'm like, oh man. It's like, yeah, yeah. not. I'd, I'd rather not have this problem. But since it's happening, it's actually a good problem to have. Yeah, that's a great problem, especially in the current world situation we're in, where 
you know, it's tough to get things out and people having trouble consuming stuff. It's great that you've got it like that. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, and as far as the actual, yeah, thank you, man. And as far as the actual turnout of the album, I mean, we're beyond thrilled of how it, how it turned out from a, from a writing, from a tracking, from a mixing standpoint, we're extremely happy with this record very much. So where do you go with the mixing? Do you outsource the mixing or are you guys doing all that in house as well? Well, uh, I'm going to be doing it in house going forward. I'm going to be actually taking that. I just upgraded my studio uh, computer and a couple of things. So I'm definitely taking over that. But what we had done before for the last two albums, when we get done tracking and I, I actually take all the tracks, make sure everything's clean, make sure everything's formatted correctly. And, uh, Bill Matoyer uh, has actually done the mixing and mastering for these last two albums. Bill's a uh, you know monster producer, you know world renowned producer from back in the old Metal Blade days, mm-hmm. and uh, he actually, believe it or not, got us signed to Pavement when we were when he was mixing Soul Rise. So, oh wow, did such a great job with Soul Rise. So we had him do Angelborn, and here we are, man. That's great. Um, so I have it noted on here to ask you about this, but. Um, I was going to ask you if you wanted fans to, if there was any kind of takeaway you wanted your fans to walk away from after listening to a, an Images of Eden album. And then on top of that, I also had this note of In Memory of Me based on a, uh, a dream your wife had. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, as far as uh, what to take away, I mean, the one thing about Images, and we've already been, we've all, we've been this way for a long time. We are a metal band, but we are a very uplifting band. We are a, uh, more or less a group of survivors, uh, addiction, abuse, uh, uh, mental illness, uh, depression. I mean, um, several of us have gone through a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm a 24 year addiction survivor. I almost didn't make it. Uh, two of our other guys had substance issues and one had, uh, has, uh, you know, has had issues with, uh, you know, with just, just so much over the years right. and we've gotten through that. And basically, we try to put a, a, a word forward of hope, inspiration, and strength. I mean, what we're trying to do is just lift up the audience. I mean, everything's so negative in this world. And even looking at the last year uh, with COVID and everything, it's just been a very brutal uh, world. And, you know, I think if anything, we need an uplifting message more than ever now. And that's what we try to bring. So what we hope to do is at the end of listening to this album, Hopefully you feel a little more inspired, a little stronger. You feel like you're not alone in your, in your trials of life. So yeah, that's kind of what we hope to take away. Hopefully you think the music rocks hard and beyond that, hopefully you can really identify to the message. And I really think that's not going to be a problem regardless of who you are. We write our lyrics so that anyone can understand them regardless of what you believe and and what you've gone through. Before you get to, before you get to in memory of me, I'm going to interrupt you because I want to stay with that for a second. I think metal is one of the best vehicles to get that, that message across or that catharsis across and just to let it all out. Does that make sense? More so than any other music to me. Oh, I I totally agree, man. And I think, you know, taking that a step further, as metalheads, most of us somewhere along our lives, growing up or whatever, have been considered the outcasts for whatever reason, you know? And I mean, it's just, we, we deal with a lot more than what people have dealt with. We, you know, we've had, we've gotten ourselves a bad name, but there's a massive brotherhood and there's a massive non-judgmental brotherhood between us. And I think that anytime any of us are dealing with anything, we, we do have a, a band of brothers and sisters who come to our rescue, who lift us up as regular metalheads. I mean, when we went on tour, we felt like we were in a metal family. I mean, yes. every stop we made, we were with our like kind, man. Yep. 
That's always where it's been. I spend I spend a lot of my time, you know, not just doing this podcast, but I do a bunch of other things. I've done some films, and that is the center point of almost everything I do. Is the the community in this scene is unlike anything anywhere else, and you can find it here in York, Pennsylvania, in Korea. It's the same thing. We bond over this riff and maybe a battle vest or something, and it's like this built-in family, for lack of a better word. And I don't think you're going to find that in pop music or country music or anywhere else in the world. You never will. And not to mention, metal's got staying power. Metal songs are timeless. You know, you look at a bubblegum pop album or a single, they're going to forget about that single six months before it's gone. We're still rocking out to stuff that's 30 40 years old as if they just released it yesterday and we listen to it as if it was released yesterday yeah i was just listening to sabbath prepping for all these podcasts this morning so yeah i'm right with you right on man absolutely so let's talk about in memory of mia that's an interesting story tell us about it yeah uh well i i I tried i did my best to craft that post as neutrally as i can without giving out giving up too much information but um, this is just a perfect example of, of something that happened that I kind of, quote, made lemonade out of, for lack of a better term, a very brutal loss of someone extremely close to, to us, but me specifically, and uh, just kind of dealing with the grief and the mourning and everything. And I was having a hard time with the loss. And then my wife had a dream one night and it was, it was extremely vivid, extremely real, not to get into all the details of the dream and to give too much away, but she got very, very specific confirmation that, uh, uh, you know, this loved one, it seemed like is in a good place. It said the dream was extremely vivid, unlike any other dream she's had. You know, when you're when you're dreaming, you kind of know it's dreaming. Like now the, the level of consciousness is I know I'm awake. She right. said it was literally an awake level consciousness just actually in a dream. And uh, there's some symbolic imagery in the dream. But long story short, I'd been having a rough couple of weeks. And she hit me up at work and let me know, hey, um, look what just happened to me this morning. And I don't know what it was, man, but I just felt like there was this weight that was on my shoulders that was just, I was carrying this burden of just mourning and grief and just just sadness, man. And it just dropped off. It was almost as if I got a message that everything is okay and everything's going to be okay. And obviously that that was a major inspiration to that song. Sure. And I knew that I have to put this in a way that anyone who's dealing with something similar, whether it's now or whether it's months ago or years ago, and they still haven't gotten over it, hopefully this will lift. Hopefully this will get them through it. Um, And yeah, I just kind of, I I let the song write itself and it just kept growing and growing. And next thing I know, it's 11 minutes and 11 seconds. Wow. So I've got two questions spawning from that. First of all, and this could be non-relevant. You can tell me to shut up, but is that a normal I mean, what was your reaction to a phone call like that? Because is that something that is not out of the ordinary for your wife to call you with a, a dream sort of thing? Or is that just totally well, out of the clear blue? It was out of the blue. It was out of the blue. It was so impactful to her and unusual that she had to walk it off. And she was just like, look, I got to explain to you what happened to me. And uh, I, I will tell you this. Not, I mean, and, and we could open this up for a several hour discussion later sure. on, but there has been no shortage of uh, supernatural stuff that has been happening to us over the years, to myself, to Steve Dorsum, to, you know, a couple of instances right. with a couple of guys in the band. So I don't discount anything. I, I you know, I mean, we're kind of magnets for the, uh, lack of a better word, unexplainable right. or things that uh, are uh, 
Yeah, you get where I'm going. <laughs> and that's kind of what I was getting at because I don't know that if my wife called me and, and said that I'd be like, yeah, well, I take you seriously. I may be like, whoa, maybe she's a little bit, you know, she's been in the bottle. So that's, that's I didn't know how you, <laughs> you know, maybe I didn't know how you received it because <laughs> I'm not, I don't know that I'm that receptive to that sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I've become that way over the years. It's just when, when, when weird things start to happen to you that you can't explain, strange coincidences lining up, just things that are kind of make you just, you know, you know that there was something else involved right. outside of our uh, physical consciousness. When that stuff starts to happen, regardless of what you used to believe in, you start to believe in some things you didn't always believe in. Sure. And, uh, you, and I, I could give you a, a grocery list of them over the course of the years, but just uh, I've always been kind of in tune with that type of thing. So, and she has too, uh, not quite as much, but yeah, she's not usually one to, you know, really like, oh, my God, guess what just happened to me? So, and please yeah, don't, I, I definitely took it seriously. Please don't think I'm disregarding you. I've just never been in that situation or had any of those experiences. So I was just, I was just curious because I know I would not. No, not at all. I would not be receptive to that conversation at all. I, you know, I'd, I'd kind of be a little skeptical. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And I get it, man. Yeah. So, so, I didn't take it that way at all. <laughs> so my next question is. I almost just almost lost my train of thought. Um, shit. Sorry, I'm gonna have to edit this. Um, we were talking about no writing worries, that man. song. Oh, is it difficult? Are you planning on playing, or have you played that song live yet? And is it gonna be difficult to relive that every night? Um, you know, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of th- a lot of the songs on the album that are very very personal that uh, are going to be a little more challenging to relive every night. But I really believe that it almost has to be that way for it to come across as genuine and for the emotion to come across. In Memory of Me is not a song that we currently have slotted for a live show just because of all of the elements in that song, the length, the, uh, you know, that starts off a little slow and then, you know, the roller coaster. It's, it's just uh, right. not something that we've looked into yet. But should things go in a direction to where uh, we have an opportunity to play it live. There's a demand to play it live, uh, whatever the case may be. We'll always consider it. And um, it, yeah, but I mean, as of right now, like there are certain songs that are just, just as brutal for me. The song uh, Angel Born, uh, My Promise, uh, both of those are, are very, uh, you know, heavy uh, songs emotionally. Uh, but again, like I say, man, I, I this is kind of what I sign up for. I don't write about lighthearted stuff the way oh, yeah. I see it. <clears throat> if something's difficult to lay down in the studio, you, it's great. If you, if you feel like I've always lived by this, if, if I feel like I've, I've, I've put too much of my naked vulnerable self in the lyrics and in the music and in the delivery to the point to where I feel like I might leave myself open for vulnerability, I know I'm where I want to be. That's when it comes through as genuine. Uh, when you're emotionally hit really hard by a song, whether I'm tracking vocals or whatever I'm doing to the point that I have to stop and walk it off, that's when I know I'm where I want to be as far as putting the necessary emotion into the song and making it sound genuine. So again, I got a couple of spin off of that. First of all, that's got to be incredibly difficult, putting yourself out there and all your skeletons and all your bare bones stuff. And two... Have you connected with, uh, how does that make you feel when you connect with a fan who, I mean, I'm sure with that kind of emotional stuff, there's got to be a fan in the audience or somebody listening that said, hey, I know exactly what you went through and you helped me, saved me, blah, blah, blah. Does that make sense? 
That has happened multiple times. Matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up. We have had plenty of fan testimonials because of the 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 purity and the genuineness. Uh, I mean, I, I let my raw emotion out to the point where I'm always bawling. And that's when I know it's good. And, right. and people can feel that. We've had several fans give us uh, testimonials uh, over the years. And, uh, I mean, one of them was suicidal, attempted suicide, survived through it, trashed all of his stuff, immediately called to, uh, to be brought into rehab and messaged us and said that we saved his life. Wow. When we got that message, I mean, we were just uh, we were a couple of weeks away of playing a show in this guy's hometown. And I said, I'm putting you on the guest list. I want to hear your story. Please come out to our show. He came right. out. He told us uh, his story. And he was in tears telling us. And, and let me tell you, brother, when we hear stories like that, I don't care what we've done, what we've been through, what we've had to deal with, whatever frustrations, every ounce of blood, sweat, and tears is worth what we do when we right. get a fan testimonial that said that we either saved their life or lifted them up. We've had a couple of people save. We saved their lives, specifically because of addiction of some sort. I always fly the flag that, hey, I'm I'm addiction survivor. And even live, I said, look, I'm an addiction survivor. If anybody else is thinking of getting off something, talk to me after the show. Right. And I've had many people come up. So that's what we do. We love lifting people. Anytime we can get a testimonial like that, brother, it just makes it all worthwhile. That's awesome. So the first part of that question was, how difficult is it to get that shit out there knowing that I mean, it's real personal stuff. And maybe not even family members might know, right? I mean, it's, it's difficult stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely. I've, I've had family members call me before when they see a post and go, oh, are you okay? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> no, you know what? It's weird. I, to me, <laughs> but to me, it, it's actually, it's become very easy. It was very hard right out of the gate years ago because I was wondering, am, am I leaving myself open for, for vulnerability here? but I'm not the way I see it was it's like, as time went on, it's a catharsis for me. It's healing for me when I'm pouring every ounce of emotion into what I'm doing. I feel like I just, you know, just went through therapy. I feel like I just cried a bunch of junk out and feel a million times better. So it's almost like I go through the therapy first and kind of go through the healing and then kind of pass it on. Because when I, uh, when I started writing for Angel Born, I was in a bad place. I mean, I was just in a, I was just, I was, I was sad. I was uh, just kind of dealing with grief, dealing with loss. And uh, the more I dove into this album and the more I just let it all out, the better I felt, the more stronger I felt, the more healing I felt. And that was, that was it. And, you know, we had already released our Soul Rise album and uh, there was a lot of that in that album too. And we have gotten our testimonials from fans, whether it was on tour, whether it was uh, through uh, them hearing recordings, whatever. So I kind of already knew that there was a real healing quality that was coming through. Right. And I think that's probably what allowed me to just let the guard down completely with Angel Born. Not that I didn't with Soul Rise, but yeah, putting all that emotion out there. I felt stronger by the time we started getting, you know, people saying, hey, I can relate to this. Thank you so much for sharing. I just dealt with a loss and I'm going through it now. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I get long winded, as you could see, but very That's easy uh, once I knew that it was it was going to be good. I think it's also really cool, too, because people eventually fans, listeners, whatever, eventually see through the bullshit. Right. They know when it's honest and real as opposed to just stories or made up stuff. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I think we all have sort of fighter sense where we can tell when somebody's being genuine and when they're not. And when, I mean, if you're trying to fake something and be something that you're not, people are going to see through it. They're not going to respect you. They're not going to take you seriously. I would rather unload everything I've got and have it be genuine. Maybe not everybody will get it. Maybe they will, but I mean, I will never not be genuine. It's just, I, I will not do it before I try to become something I'm not. Right. All right. So lastly, what are you guys planning on doing live? I mean, are you guys opening up at all yet? Is there a chance to hit the road or is it still you going to do any live stream sort of thing? Yeah, we actually, believe it or not, we're actually talking about a couple of tour possibilities, a couple of uh, shows later this summer uh, in a couple of places that are a little more open. But I, I think it's still we're kind of on that cusp right now where we want to start uh, booking tours. We want to start uh, putting the feelers out there, but it's just things are starting to open up. And you know how it is. Once oh, yeah. things start to open up, some governor says, sorry, we got to close it back up again. Right. Our clown that we have here in Pennsylvania does that all the time. We're going to be the last state to open up, I promise you, next to New York <laughs> and California. Right. But that, that's a whole nother, whole nother bowl of wax. But we're yeah, right now we're trying to kind of get ahead of the game a little bit and try to kind of get something booked before everything opens and we can't get anything booked. So, uh, but it's definitely hard. I mean, we talked to our label and they've said there are bands who have uh, postponed or uh, rescheduled tours sometimes two or three times. Yeah. So we yep. know it's still kind of a moving part. The one thing we're not, we're not, we're not going to do the live stream. We just, it's not our thing. We want an audience. We want to play for an audience. We want to play for you. We don't want to play for an empty room and try to pretend not to mention. I mean, personally, I want to pretend that this whole COVID BS never existed and I don't want to play into it at all. You'll right. never see me order face masks with our logo on it or right. do live streams. I just want to just put that out of our head until we can resume business as usual. Fair enough. So, Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast.